Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch Community, and welcome to episode 30 of the 167 Podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, lead pastor of the Porch Community Church, and I'm here with media pastor Josh Harrell. Hey, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. You got to at least answer. It's a going. There we go. (laughs) I'll say something different one day, and you won't, and you'll just say it's a going, and not even actually (laughs) heard what I've said. Yeah, you won't even know. Won't even know. (laughs) So yeah, we are thirty episodes in to this podcast of just trying to reconnect with our people during the week, our people, with people in general. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, you are, you are our people. That's right. You, you're willing to listen to us for almost an hour? You yeah. are our people. <laughs> you are in the porch community, which is what I call everybody. So, um, yeah, so last week we started on this journey of answering questions that people have posed to us, um, and uh, it was it's been good. It has been. Yeah. I've gotten. Yeah. Uh, we did our first one last week about mm-hmm. how the Bible was canonized. Yes. Not shot. Boom. Not yeah. shot. Oh uh, yeah. Uh-huh. But but put together yep. and what it is, rec- how it is recognized as the Bible entity itself. And there's even though there's a bunch of different translations and different versions, it all has the same sixty six books. Correct. That's right. That's right. Unless, Unless you talk about the apocrypha and yeah, the, the Catholic Bible and and Book of Mormon. Yeah, uh, well, mm, that's a whole other, that's a whole other book of bi- uh, bound of things that's not biblical. So, okay. Anyway, <laughs> I can't even believe you threw that out there. Someone's like, "Go what?" You said the apocrypha. I mean, I, at least that was like written a long time ago. It wasn't like you know. I'm not saying it's accurate. I'm, I'm just saying for radio listening, I'm I'm raising her the rock eye. Yeah, eyebrow. he did. He just gave me some some brow. So. Um, yeah, so we, we started off with how did the Bible even become the Bible, and then we moved into why does the Bible get misinterpreted all the time? There's kind of a couple of questions that get asked. One is like, why is the Bible full of errors, or why is the Bible misinterpreted? Um, and so we started on that road last week, mm-hmm. um, and we're going to continue that conversation today, leading us into... Uh, the next big topic. So, so if you haven't listened to episode twenty nine, yes, stop this one. <laughs> go listen and go listen to episode twenty nine because proof texting mm-hmm. is very important for our discussion today. Yes, yes, that's right, that's right. Um, so, yeah, is there anything? I'm mean, I'm ready to jump in. You ready to jump? Yeah, in? Yeah, I was gonna. Let's I go, had some go. banter about Fourth of July, but let's go. Fourth of July, blah, 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 fireworks, fireworks, hot dogs, yay, somebody burned something, like their finger or something, and stuff blew up. Yep. And hey, Hira, and back up, hey, Hira. <laughs> Did you see that too? Oh, Lord. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> Put it in reverse, hey, Hira. Okay, if you don't know uh, a fireworks show at uh, Hey Hira, which is north of our town. Went, uh, all of them went off at the They all time. went off. There's a... A miss miss shot and it and it lit the whole thing on fire. It was on like a gooseneck trailer. Yeah, and uh, it just was all going. So all right, all right. Anyway, now so, let's start the real fireworks. Yeah. Oh, hey. Yeah. Hey, so why is the Bible misinterpreted? I want to touch on this just briefly, even though we did touch on it in episode twenty nine, because it's very important. Right. When someone talks about misinterpretations in the Bible, or uh, maybe they think that some verses are contradictory. Mm-hmm. Um, you can kind of use that word misinterpretation. It mean a lot of different things. Um, but almost always, it is due to what you just said, proof texting. And right. now proof texting, uh, what that means, it means lifting a single verse or a sentence from somewhere in Scripture and basically stripping it of the surrounding literary context or taking it out of the historical context that it was in or taking it out of the linguistic context it was in. That's not a pasta. That's actually talking about the language. Oh, so I was thinking saying. about linguini. Exactly, which yeah. is why I went... Yeah, no, yeah, I was yeah, yeah. yeah, hey. So, so proof texting is pulling out uh, something and, and we don't want to do that. Right? We want to be in context. So we don't want to pull out. We want to actually... You know, look in there and go, okay, this is what we want to do. So, all right. So, Josh, um, here's an example. Uh, 
the verse in Matthew 18 says, wherever two or three are gathered together, Christ is right there with them, right? Yep. You've heard that verse yeah, before? Yeah, several yeah, times. Yeah. yeah. What is your, what comes to mind when you hear that? Like, what are you thinking whenever people use that? Um, I always go, uh, that's the church. Wherever three people are gathered, uh-huh. there I am also. We're having church. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Whether it's in church or on the lake. <laughs> Or at the Dairy Queen. Or I don't know what. Or I saw at that. the tailgate. <laughs> well, there's two or three gathered here. Yep. Okay, so it's a gathering. Um, yep. Usually, kind of positive vibes, correct? True. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, and I'm using this as the the kickoff example. Then we're really going to get going into it in a minute. Yep. 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 Here's the context of that verse. Okay, so if you just pull out Matthew 18, verse 20, wherever two or three are gathered together, Christ is right there with them. When you pull that verse out and you don't look at the surrounding text, that's what you get. Now, this is not like a... It's not a bad thing to be the church. It's not the bad thing to be together. None of that. I'm not saying that. But this is just a a kind of an innocent example of proof proof texting. Because the context of this statement is Jesus' teaching on church discipline. That's not the word that you think of when you use that verse. Nope. That's not the verse people talk about. He is letting the disciples know that if the whole church has to confront a sinning member of their church, that Jesus will be right there with them as as they do whatever is necessary for the church and for that individual. Mm-hmm. That is an example of proof texting. 100%. So... Again, it's not a bad idea, but yep. it's just proof texting. So. And like every verse, it gets like cross-stitched on pillows. <laughs> yes, yeah. Yes, right. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of these we could go into. Yeah, yeah, so. yeah. So. so here is where we are delving into today. I think I even mentioned it last week to kind of give you a teaser of it. Um, proof texting. Yep. Here's the question people ask. And I'm using proof texting as part of my answer. But the question gets asked a lot. Should women be pastors slash leaders in the church? Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) All right, that's the question. All right. So there are two places in Scripture, Josh, that some use as the basis for disqualifying women from pastoral leadership or even leadership in general, depending on who you're talking to. And both of those are examples of proof texting, both of these places in Scripture. We're going to look at both of them today. The first one is in 1 Corinthians 14, right? 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says that women should be silent in the church. And then we're going to look at 1 Timothy 2, where Paul, he's the writer of both of these, where he says, I do not allow women to teach men. All right, these are the two things that Paul says, these two verses that have been taken and are used to disqualify women from ministry. So let's look at the first one, 1 Corinthians 14, where Paul says, verses 34 and 35, women should be silent in the churches, that women should be silent in the churches. Do you have that pulled up, Josh? Do you want to look at that? Or uh, 1 Corinthians 14. Women should be silent during the church meetings. It is not proper for them to speak. They should be submissive, just as the law says. If they have any questions, they should ask their husbands at home, for it is improper for women to speak in church meetings. Whew, okay. All right, then. I guess I'll just be quiet the rest of the time. Let you finish out the podcast. Oh, nope. Then we're done. <laughs> okay, so um, we're going to primarily look here. At, it, it's really verse 34, because that's the one that's like this imperative, like, boom. Women should be silent in the church. And then he kind of explains why they should be. And I'll just say this. I'll say it a lot. Context is everything. Context is everything. All right. Earlier in this letter, because 1 Corinthians is a letter. Right. Right. And and one thing to keep in mind is that the chapters and the verses that you and I know in our Bible were not there whenever these letters were written. This was just 1 Corinthians is a letter from beginning to end. It is a full letter that Paul wrote to the church in Corinth. And okay? it just happened to be the first letter. Yeah, right, right. That, that's exactly. Why, that's why it's called that's 1 right. Corinthians. So the, the chapters and the verses are there for our 
um, locating. Yeah, it's you know? easier to read and find. Exactly. You know, like the find address. address. <laughs> yeah. So context is everything. So here's the deal, and that's and I want to point that out because in chapter eleven of First Corinthians. Paul writes this. He writes in, in verse in chapter eleven, verse five. He writes that women were prophesying in this same exact church. Right. He's he's that he wrote about it. He wrote, and then we get kind of lost in this. He he writes that every woman who has her head uncovered while praying or prophesying disgraces her head. He doesn't say they're disgracing themselves because they're praying or prophesying. He's saying if you don't have a head covering on, which is Jewish law, right? He's going back to that. If you don't have a head covering on, you are disgracing your head. He doesn't say don't pray and don't prophesy. He was talking about how you how you did that. Mm. So just three chapters earlier, Paul is talking about how the women should pray and prophesy. Right. Okay? okay, so you see a contradiction here, correct? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so there's a contradiction already. Do you know the word hermeneutics? No. It. I don't know why. It's funny how I guess it's probably. Oh, Did I'm a trying guy to named think Herman of the. Come up with it? <laughs> it's one rule of hermeneutics, and hermeneutics is just it's how do you interpret the Bible, interpreting the Bible. Okay, right? yeah, yeah. So one rule of hermeneutics is this. It's this is a this is a steadfast rule. This isn't mine. I didn't make this up or whatever. It's that the author is not allowed to contradict themselves. If you find a contradiction, then you need to keep looking to make to understand why there's a contradiction. Am I yelling? I feel really, really like I'm just all up on this. No, you're so, good. Okay, so um, if you find a contradiction, like let's say you read one verse and then you read another verse and they they directly contradict each other, do you just leave it there and go, well, that I mean, I'll just go with the one I like the most? No, you got to keep reading. I mean, a lot of people do. Exactly, which is called proof texting. So you got to keep looking. So a uh, rule of hermeneutics is the author cannot contradict themselves, especially in the same exact letter. There's got to be more to this, okay? So clearly, based on 1 Corinthians 11, 5, Women were allowed to not only speak, but they were praying and prophesying. Otherwise, Paul would not have written that how they should do that. How, what's the proper way for them to pray and prophesy? All right, so that context is everything. Let's look for a moment at the linguistic context. That's the language that was used. The Greek word that Paul uses uh, it, for speak is this word laleo, laleo, which could be translated and it... Uh, in a lot of documents it is, as ongoing chatter. So not even like standing up and giving a speech or saying something like, thus saith the Lord. It's like just chit-chat. It's like the little background noise of people talking. Mm-hmm. And and Leia, the, the Greek word he uses in the present tense implies just this ongoing chatter or, you know, even kind of like maybe like heckling or not really heckling like, you know, like kind of maybe snickering and those kinds of things. So it's it's very likely in the linguistic context, it's very likely for this case that some women in this particular church were being unruly and they were just chit-chatting away during the gathering. Okay. Right. Um, and Paul was telling them to be quiet for the sake of the meeting. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's that's one that's a linguistic thing that is important to note. What did Paul say? Because we read the English word "speak" and we just go, "Oh, well, he's talking about church, so obviously it means the person up there teaching." Mm-hmm. Okay, he's not saying he's saying no. The this chit chat needs to need to calm down. He these people, a lot of these people have never been in church. I mean, they don't know church. They haven't had church. Like, what are they doing? Right. How are you? How do you do this? How how do you do this orderly? How do you do this in a way that honors God? Okay, so that's the linguistic context. Now there's the historical context, which there's quite a bit more of this. Historical context: men and women who were from uh, did not sit together in the Jewish synagogues. W- women sat on one side. Men sat on the other. When I was doing missions work in Romania, I went to a brethren church, and um, men sat on one side and women sat on the other, and we had to wear like long um, dresses, pretty much to our ankles. The women did, and I we had to wear head covering because that's e- just what they do. Even if you're married, husband would sit um, on one side. If you're older, if you had younger children, and it was kind of a newer deal, um, 
because they didn't have like nursery and stuff. Um, uh, really young couples with or people with young young kids would sit in the balcony together. Oh, so um, not like on the main floor. Correct. Yeah, yeah. So, but like once you were kind of able to sit still or whatever, women on one side, men on the other. So it's interesting. So that was the historical context is that men and women didn't sit together. So if Paul's rule is, hey, ladies, let's quit the chit chat. And if you have a question about what's being taught, here's another deal. Historical context. A woman wouldn't ask any man like a question. She would only ask her husband. Right. You wouldn't go approach another married man and ask a question. Right. Even if he was like... And so if women are on one side of the room and men are on the other and something's being taught and a woman doesn't understand, she uh, obviously... Like, she's not going to yell across the room like, hey, you know, I'm not going to be like, hey, Drew, what did they mean by verse 12? Even though there wasn't a verse 12. But like, what did they mean by that? Like, you, w- you wouldn't do that. Yeah, so okay. like they wouldn't go up to the lay leader and ask him a question if our lay leader was a guy. You right, know, exactly. They, they would, they'd go, hey, yes. what are they talking about spending that budget on? Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. That, that, that's the best way I can well, yeah. put it in my brain. Yeah. So three chapters earlier, women are, and let's just make, I got to repeat this. Women are praying and prophesying in this church. This isn't another church Paul was talking about. In this same church, he's saying, hey, when, ladies, when you, when you uh, prophesy, when you pray, cover your head. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's saying, "Cut the chit chat." All right. And the covering of the head was an old Jewish law. That, it was, that yeah. It's just kind of carried over. Uh huh. Yeah. Yes, correct. So now here's the deal. So think of it like this: whatever speaking he's talking about, Paul is in verses 34 and 35. He was not addressing spiritual speaking. So he was not saying. Women should not speak, women should not teach, women should not pray, women should not prophesy. He was saying, cut the chit-chat and don't yell across the room and ask your husband a question, <laughs> okay? Like, there is an orderly way for you to do this, mm-hmm. ladies. And and here's, we. this is one of those things, like, you kind of, as a woman, you kind of hate to admit, but it is the fact of of the culture, is that women were not educated. Women didn't go to school. Right. Women didn't really sit in, like, group meetings. Um, if they were former Jews who are now Christians, men, then they knew exactly how things went, and they understood order and, and uh, uh, worship and, and, you know, listening and, and all that kind of thing. If they were Jewish women, they have an understanding of this as well. But if these are if these are Gentiles, if these are people who had no background before, or if they were doing some sort of idol worship or whatever, God only knows what their understanding of the gathering was about. Well, so to historical context, uh-huh. uh, the early church was actually the first place that allowed women in uh, meetings like like this, like mm-hmm. how this works and stuff like this. You mean like, as opposed to like Judaism? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So this was like the first time that they were allowed to almost corporate worship. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, and I, it almost sounds like with the way that you're explaining it to me, he was establishing what, like rules of the, I don't want to say rules of the road, but a rules of how corporate worship works for people that don't know. Right. Now, and I will say, though, in the Jewish, there were women were there some because there was the separation of them. But there were definitely, like, uh, m- more, you know, if they had a, a meeting or a gathering, sometimes it would only be the men who would be there to make decisions. Yeah, and, and that's what I'm talking of, about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah coming together so, for these meetings. Right, but if you're talking about, like, these holy days no, no, and no, stuff no, like no. that, there would be the separation. Like the coming up for the meetings aspect. Right. Like, the early church was the first to really allow women in these types of meetings. Right, right. So the context of 1 Corinthians 14 suggests, if you look at the historical and linguistic context, Paul is talking about disruptive speaking in a time of worship gathering. And so these verses now have nothing to say about women in ministry or leadership. Okay? Okay. So you can now take that one off Mm -hmm. the table. And there's more on 1 Corinthians 14 that I've got. If we want to come back to it, we can. Um, But I thought that's a good place to stop with that verse because really 1 Timothy 2 is where where it really gets... um, 
I would say most people, most definitely reformed um, people are like, this is why women, this is why we don't have women. This is why we don't ordain women. This is why we don't license women. This is why they don't get up and they don't preach. They don't preach to men. Because in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, this one is most definitely the one, the, the big disqualifier for a lot of people. Paul writes, I do not let women teach men or have authority over them. Let them listen quietly. Okay, so it's pretty clear yeah. so what what's Paul's the, saying. So what's the context around that? Okay, so let's look at the context around that. If, okay, if Paul, if, if 1 Timothy 2.12 was the only thing we knew about um, Paul's writings, like if, if that was just the only thing we had ever knew that he said about anything to do with women, you could go, well, that must be it. I mean, it's in the canon. It's there. So let's, you know, it, women cannot speak. If, if a man's there, then they need to hush up. Okay. Um, so he's giving instructions about worship. Okay, that's the first thing we see, is that Paul's giving instruction on worship. He's talking about, um, he's talking about prayer uh, in verse 1. He's talking about um, this is the way you pray. Um, he talks about what honors God, um, these things. Then um, I'm looking here real quick. And in verse 7, he says, I've been chosen as a preacher and apostle to the Gentiles. So you know that he is teaching and speaking to people who don't necessarily know how worship goes. Correct. I mean, yes, did Paul bring in aspects of how the the Jewish, you know, meetings would go and those kind of things? Yes. So he's talking to some people that have no idea whatsoever. Um, uh, he, in verse 9, he wants women to be modest in their appearance uh, he talks a lot about that, the modesty and, and how they should dress. And some of that is not so they won't be a... It's not that he's saying, hey, dress however you want. But because in the context, women were... There was a lot of uh, temple worship, idol worship, things like that, where women were very adorned with a lot of jewelry and a lot of stuff like that. And so he wanted to make sure that, that they were... S- set apart correct and they weren't looking that way and everything um he says women should learn quietly and submissively in verse 11 i don't let a woman teach is verse 12 um they should listen and then he goes into saying because god made adam first and afterward he made eve and it wasn't adam that was deceived by satan um the woman was deceived and sin was the result um, and then he says women will be saved through childbearing, assuming they continue to live in faith. So there is a whole lot here, okay, that we need to look at. All right, that's yeah. go and read that. But here's it. So, like I said, this has been widely proof texted. If Timothy two twelve was the only thing we knew about Paul and his ministry, and keep that in mind, this might hold up, but it is not the only thing we know of Paul and of his ministry. And so, so many people use this verse to disqualify women, and, and they proof text historically, uh, they proof text linguistically, and they proof text in a literary fashion. So let's look at the historical context, okay? First of all, the historical context was ignored in regard to this. Okay, you ready? Yeah. On the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit was given to all who believe, right? These crucial words are spoken by Peter... The, the disciple, right. or the apostle at this yeah. point, and the other 11 disciples. So there's 11 other people there who walked with Jesus, knew Jesus. And Peter quotes a prophet, prophet the prophet Joel. So, I mean, it's like Peter, th- 11 other disciples, and he's quoting the prophet Joel in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, when he says, I will... Because what was happening was the Holy Spirit came... And, you know, the flames of tongues, people could understand each other's languages. It was amazing. It was a work of God. Jesus said this was going to happen. And, and he says, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Okay? Okay. So this happens on the day of Pentecost. 
So when the when was the Spirit poured out? That very day. If you go read Acts 2, 1 through 4, it describes the promised Holy Spirit coming to everybody. Okay. Everybody. Yeah. yeah. Not just men. Right. And Peter is explaining this. So what the prophet Joel said, what Jesus promised, because this is what Jesus promised in John chapter 16, verses 13 and 14. Jesus said, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will bring me glory by telling you whatever he receives from me. So the prophet Joel prophesied about this. Jesus promised that this would happen. And then, and then we know that Peter and the other disciples affirmed in Acts 2.17, because none of the other disciples stood up and said, hold on, no, 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 Peter, um, the, this is only for men. Only, the Holy Spirit's only going to be poured out on men. Like There was no correction there. Right. What was stated and what happened that day, it, here's it. Wouldn't you think if it was God's intention for women to play a lesser role in leadership or to even... If God's intention was for women to be silent in the churches and not have a role to play, that Jesus would have prepared his disciples to ensure that women were hushed. So who, you know, only the Holy Spirit get, only the men get the Holy Spirit. Doesn't it stand to reason that if women were not supposed to have leadership roles in the Holy Spirit-inspired launch of the church at Pentecost— that Peter and the other 11 disciples would not have stood as a witness to the prophet and claim that this was for men and women because they were there prophesying. All right. Are you following with me? Yeah, Are you tracking? I'm, yeah, I'm tracking. Okay. So here's the historical context, okay, is that we see how the Holy Spirit on Pentecost was given to all. Okay. All right. Now, and, and it's, the Bible now tells us, and you go back and look, and there's historical evidence of this, and you'll see some in Old Testament and New, but there were women prophets who spoke. Miriam in Exodus chapter 15, Deborah in Judges 4. There are four daughters of Philip who in Acts chapter 21 are mentioned, and they all are prophets, okay? And here's where we hear more from Paul, because okay. he's the one that wrote 1 Timothy 2.12. Right. And he's the one that says, I do not let women teach, okay? They should learn quietly. But now let's hear more from him, because remember, if there's a contradiction, we need to dig deeper and deeper and deeper. And here's where we find him including, not just including, but affirming women as leaders in ministry, all right? So in Acts chapter 18, right. all right? In yeah. Acts 18, what we find is that Peter, or excuse me, Paul, pay, Rob Peter to pay Paul. Um, <laughs> but in, in Acts um, 18, Paul is writing and affirming about women apostles, evangelists, and teachers. Okay? Priscilla and Aquila, he is not just talking about them, he is affirming them. He is affirming their ministry. So what's going on? Why are women not allowed to? teach. They're not allowed to teach men, but here they are, and he's affirming their role, okay? So is there something going on in the church that he wrote to, in 2 Timothy? Yeah, let's get, let's, let's, let's go there. Let's, let's go walk there. there. Let's okay. walk there, okay? So he is um, affirming them, and then in Romans 16, there are women deacons that are mentioned who Paul chose to partner with in leadership. And so there are women apostles, there are women evangelists, there are women teachers, there are women deacons, and Paul writes of these, or he is connected to him. But wait, there's more, okay? <laughs> Three passages contradict 1 Timothy 2. That's the one that says women shouldn't talk. They shouldn't lead men. And they all speak of the dissolution of differences, Okay. And what I mean by that is, so before there were differences, before there were Jew, before there were Gentile, before there were slave, before they were free, all right? And each time in these three instances, and I'm going to give you the addresses in a moment, um, Paul concludes each time, we are all one in Christ. 
we're one in Christ. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, he concludes we're all one in Christ. In Colossians 3, verse 11, he concludes we're all one in Christ. And then Galatians 3, 28, it captures this dynamic well. He writes, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ, there is no longer Jew or Greek. There is no longer slave or free. There is no longer male and female. For all of you are one in Christ. What we know then is that 1 Timothy was a particular letter written for a particular context to a particular person, Timothy, for a particular reason. Yeah. Church order and the role of women is not even the main concern of this letter, 1 Timothy. False teaching is. False teaching. Paul is addressing the issue of heresy, some of which was taught by women and men. And a lot of the false teaching from the women was a result of their little to no religious education up to that point, their lack of opportunities. And so... The historical context, so here we go, the evidence, here's the evidence for women in leadership. So we see how the historical context was ignored. There's all those other instances of women being affirmed in leadership in the church. Correct. Now here's um, some evidence for this. So not just that they were affirmed, like, hey, yeah, women should do this, but here's evidence of it. Junia is an apostle. And she's someone who the risen Christ appeared to, and he sent as a witness to the resurrection. So we read that in Romans chapter 16, verse 7. So Junia is an apostle. She is referred to as an apostle. What's the difference between an apostle and a prophet? Um, a, a, a prophet is one who will is usually given a word from the Lord and is told to go and speak this. And it might be something that is to come to pass mm-hmm. um, or that is a warning or a preparation, whereas an apostle is someone who's doing the work of the church and has leadership within the church. Okay. Okay. We've, we've used both those terms, and I just yes. want... And- they do different things, so I just yes. wanted to clarify Disciple, a bit. apostle, prophet, but they're all leadership roles. Yes. Yes, so that's good. So Priscilla is a church leader, um, and she's often... This is interesting, because you would this, these are these things you need to notice, okay? Um, in a very male-oriented world of ancient Mediterranean, right, um, Priscilla is mentioned, and her name is all... It comes before her husband's. And that's just not what you did. I mean, that's a that'd be weird right now. Right. If you got a letter that said Mrs. Carol and Mr. Josh Harrell. Yeah. That sound see, it's almost like, no, yeah. it's Mr. and Mrs. Josh Harrell. Yeah. Right. Any any like time you get invited to anything, yes. It says Mr. and Mrs. Joshua Harrell. Right. When you get married, you don't announce Mr. and Mrs. Shannon Patterson. <laughs> right. Right. I will say I do get some interesting um, address stuff like wedding invitations because people are like, what do we do? Because she has a title and what do you... So sometimes it's like Mr. Drew and Reverend Shannon Patterson or, you know, it's it's just funny how sometimes I get the different things. But, but Yeah, so I mean, you talk about it weird then, it's still a little weird now. Exactly. And so, but it's important to note. Yeah, it's that, really that, that t- Like today, to for me to say, hey, you know, for Drew and I to be like, hey, we're going to go have dinner with Kara and Josh... That's not that weird. Right. Uh, that's not weird at all. Right. Right. But in this con- context, in the cultural context, um, to put the woman's name before the man's big deal is it's 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 just something that you definitely notice. She was a church leader, and you can go and look in Acts chapter eighteen and Romans chapter sixteen, and even in Second Timothy chapter four. So in another letter to Timothy, Priscilla is a church leader. So the first letter to Timothy, people are saying, oh, no, no, women need can't talk. That's what Paul said. And now in the second letter to Timothy, we have Priscilla, who is a church leader. Look at these women. Yeah, right, right. So she's mentioned first when Acts tells us about the... Dis- oh, I love this. Um, in Acts chapter 18, verse 26, Priscilla is mentioned because you know what she's doing? And, no. and, and she is in, responsible for giving Christian instruction to Apollos. Okay. Um, to uh, one of the guys. And yeah, and yeah. so she is um, a woman, 
and she's training a male minister in the early church. So not only is she educated herself, which is not right. done, now she's educating men, which right. is even more not... Uh-huh, yeah. Like, you think of... You don't think it's a big deal because most teachers in the United States right now are women. <laughs> True, yeah. You know? Yeah. But especially in a, in a male-dominated society, for her to be leading someone, it just shows that she was definitely esteemed, and she had this role. It was, it was undeniable that she had this leadership role. Right. Um, Phoebe is a deacon, not, not Phoebe Buffet. Buffet. Yeah, no, this is a different one. Phoebe. Um, uh, <laughs> what was her name? Regina Falange? Regina Falange. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Phoebe is a deacon, uh, a minister. That's kind of the same. It had the same uh, translation in Romans chapter 16. And listen to this. The Phoebe's title of deacon is the same word used to describe Timothy's position in 1 Timothy. And Timothy was a big deal. I mean, Paul's writing to him yeah, because yeah. Timothy's in charge of this church, and he's yeah. trying to help him. And Phoebe has the same title as Timothy. Okay. Um, we also find in Acts um, that women have house churches. Like, they weren't just there cooking, but it was like the people met in their homes, and they were referred to often as co-workers in the faith. Um, there's Lydia, uh, then Paul. Again, so Paul, who says in 1 Timothy 2.12, I don't allow women to teach men, and um, they should be quiet. He mentions uh, women like Mary and Trephena and Trephosa and Euodia, and I can't even pronounce the other one. <laughs> I, I want to say Syntax, really, but it's like Syntax. I was really hoping you yeah. were going to say something funny. Yeah, um, but he mentions all of them as leaders in the church. So here's the deal. Against the weight of all we have seen in Scripture to this point, this one verse in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 12, is not supported by any others to forbid women from pastoral leadership then or now. I just want to know who these ladies were in First Timothy that... <laughs> that <you know>? were, <laughs> like, what were y'all doing that made him... Like, like, what was happening? Com compared to everything yeah. else he was writing yeah. and, and all the other women he was referencing yeah. in the second one, mm -hmm. who was this woman? Yeah. You know? Well, and we're gonna get we're gonna look at that. So so what Paul does is he he declares his primary reason for writing to Timothy at the beginning of this letter, uh, after like the customary greeting that he does, he says to Timothy, Stay there in Ephesus so that you may command certain people not to teach false or other doctrines that and were he not says his. People. Mm -hmm. And he says, stay there, do not let them teach false doctrines any longer, or, and this is important, to devote themselves to myths and endless genealogies. There was something going on, some kind of, you know, hocus-pocus kind of, you know, something happening, uh, you know, um, well, myths and endless genealogies that were going on that women were very involved in, mm -hmm. and it was kind of like, you know, speaking to your ancestors who are no longer here and oh, that okay. kind of thing, yeah, yeah. and that stuff was going on, and there it was trying to be inserted into the church. And I don't know if you remember several couple months ago, I talked about Gnostics. Yes. Um, and it was people who claimed they knew. Well, this was like a Gnostic teaching, like, okay, yeah, yeah, Jesus taught this, but now we know something more, and we're going to bring it in. And Paul was pushing back against this. And this was in 1 Timothy. He writes this. He's like, don't let these people teach. Like, if these people are teaching false doctrines, they need to be quiet. They need to hush. Paul was concerned, and he even says this in verse 5 of 1 Timothy. He, he wants the pure and sincere faith to continue. And so he was really, really concerned that Ephesus was being corrupted. Men and women within the Ephesian church were teaching and spreading doctrines that were different from what Paul had established with them. And so he writes to Timothy, who was ministering there in Ephesus at the time, and he advises him about these people and these false doctrines. So it's possible that some of these false teachings were influenced by myths related to the Ephesian goddess Artemis, which yeah, that makes is sense. a whole lot of female worship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, female higher like like the woman is to be worshipped and so there was that concern as well and that makes sense in that context why they 
why he would address women specifically mm-hmm. because um, the that god that goddess was very a dominating goddess in her in like the mm-hmm. way that that was done. yes like it was it was very anti anything <laughs> I mean it was all her like, yeah yeah no no so, not God just replace so Artemis it for was, that it was all it and of course this is me insinuating. But it was almost like they were trying to do yes, Jesus, and mm-hmm. oh yeah, and, and, bringing, and that's the Gnostic and then teaching. Yep, characteristics of what they were doing before and how they can make everybody kind of happy. Yep, like, I'm trying to. There's a term cultural for that. appropriation almost. Well, yeah, there's an actual there's a term for that that gets used about like hiding other faiths behind a current faith because maybe it was you know you. Rome took over, and you you just kind of hid your idol worship behind a saint or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. I can't, there's a term, but um, what I suggest that Paul's instructions in First Timothy chapter two were a, a a correlation of him censuring the any ill-informed or poorly behaved women in the church, right? Yeah. And um and and it definitely anyone who is teaching or spreading any kind of heresy that had to do with that gnosticism that you were talking about. They're like, "Okay, yeah, we'll be here at the church, but we're going to bring in this other stuff." And that this was about censuring um false teaching and heresy in this church context is everything yes context is everything there are so many other verses that affirm women in pastoral prophetic deacon you know discipling teaching positions is is um this kind of shows my ignorance on the entire topic is Mm -hmm. there anyone besides paul that actually addresses Women no. leadership? No. No? Mm-mm. Okay. No. Because uh, I grew up in a church that uh, had no female leadership, mm-hmm. and I took it at face value. So Yeah, yeah. Uh, this, this is... I'm not saying much in this podcast because I'm learning a lot of this. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm, I'm kind of a listener, and hopefully I'm asking the questions that a listener has along the way. Yeah, yeah. Um. So do we want to take a moment, and I have like an example of what it looks like to look at a passage literally and then to look at it in context. So let me, let me ask you this, Josh. Um, so Adeline, is she in that, has she been in that phase where she takes things very literally? Like when you say, uh, I don't know, like when you're giving her instruction and you're like, you know, go set that glass down in the kitchen, and she might just go and set it on the kitchen floor because that's the kitchen. No, like, have you had those kind of? She hasn't got there yet. Okay, but you but, know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. But I'm a very literal person anyway. Yeah. So I try to be more detailed with my, my kind of stuff because I'm that person that is very like I will take what you say yeah. literally. Right. So. Right. And 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 that's not always like wrong, but it's important to note when you're looking at historical record. Oh yeah. Like. If you take that literally, okay, so let's let's go back to 1 Corinthians 14, okay? okay? And let's look at what would be considered the literal position of reading that in context about the women keep silent in churches and not speak and all that. All right, so we're going to kind of go line by line. All right, so a literal position would say, we'll start here, the women, that starts the verse. So if you're taking that literally, that would mean all Christian women everywhere. And yep. that's how some people take it, a literal translation of this. Yes. And then the next line is, the women are to keep silent in the churches. Okay, silence without reference to context is simple to understand, right? Hush up. Women don't... So that would even mean women shouldn't sing. No words in church ever. Of course, you know, if few if any people believe such things because, I mean, women are allowed to sing all the time and you know, teach the children and all that stuff. So the people that use this literally don't even use it literally. Thank you. They quietly reject a literal interpretation of a literal translation. That's what's happening. In churches that say women should not be pastors, but they let women do everything else, they they are silently rejecting their literal translation of that. 
Interesting. While at the same time holding it up and making sure that it's known. Just just because it's a podium. It's a podium and people see it and it's, yes, yes. So, and here's the next line. So we're going to keep being literal here. For they are not permitted to speak, right? But that is in a direct contradiction to Luke chapter 2, verse 36. It's direct uh, contradiction to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and 1 Corinthians chapter 14 because women are speaking. So that is in contradiction to other texts. And 1 Corinthians is written by the same guy that wrote 1 Timothy. Correct. Okay. Yes. I just want to make that clear. That's very true. That's right. And it says, but are subject to themselves to male authority is what that means, just as the law says. And this gets into this whole thing about the Mosaic law. Is it about the Mosaic law? Is it not about the Mosaic law? Um, They're under the new covenant now, so do they still have to adhere to the old covenant? Because it's in the old covenant that had the male over the female, but now they're in a new covenant, and Paul's written a lot about they're, they're not under that old covenant anymore. There's a whole podcast so, on that. Yeah, right. So um, so even though, you know, in, in Genesis 2 and Genesis 3, um, it's not necessarily, that's not considered Mosaic law, but it's Old Testament law. Um, so it just holds, there's just so much here that's unknown that to have such silence is unknown anywhere else in the Bible. The kind of silence that people will literally take um, to mean in 1 Corinthians 14 is found nowhere else in Scripture. The kind of silence that they say should be the case. No other place in Scripture do you see that. Um, and, it, and really, it's contrary to, to, the, to the New Covenant and to Paul's teachings elsewhere in the epistles where he's like, there is no more Jew or Gentile, there is no more slave or free, there is no more male or female. This is a direct contradiction. All right, so that would be a literal interpretation. Right. Okay, so now let's look at this interpretation in context, which you've already kind of covered, but I'd like to do this kind of compared. So in context, the women, would, which is how the verse starts, it's talking about those the Corinthian women from that Greek-oriented society that, that he's talking to. in a idol worship of a female god. Correct, right. And he talks about them there. Are to keep silent. And if you look, it, it, it would say like the people in verses 26 through 33. So he, there's talking about order and, and, and what to do in the church. When someone's speaking, you don't speak, that kind of thing. It's order. So versus those 20, women. Verses 26 and, tw- and 33, which book? Of 1 Corinthians, okay. of, of this passage. Okay. Yeah, sorry about that. Um, so it's setting the context for this section, right? And it ends around verse uh, 40. The women are to keep silent in the churches. So again, if we're taking this in context, it's not talking about universally for all time, but when someone else is teaching or prophesying, um, and again, let's note, there was an allowance for women to prophesy by this same author. Right. In 1 Corinthians 11, okay? So, and it says, For they, like men, though not the focus here, are not permitted to speak. And this would go to verses 27 through 30 again, which is about the order, out of turn or contentiously or mm-hmm. uh, what was the word, chatter, you know? Yeah, yeah. It's saying don't, don't do that. But are subject to themselves, which here means, if you're to take this in context, the proper rules of how you would have a, a gathering. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then it goes into just as the law also says, which I think I skipped that before. Yeah, just as the law also says. No, you, no you, I covered, covered it. Yeah, um, and that is just talk. I mean, you can just look at listening respectfully to the law and to prophecy or to witnesses in turn. I mean, you find that in Genesis and Exodus and Deuteronomy and Joshua, Nehemiah, First Kings. Like I you mean, see that many, many times. Yeah, Jesus even talks about respecting right. law and stuff. Right. Like that. So you can see the difference there between someone who would take this as First Corinthians fourteen literally versus someone who would take it contextually. Yeah. And um, you just there's so much overwhelming evidence for women in ministry versus the really the one verse in First Timothy two where Paul says, "I don't let women teach men," because um, we've previously stated that the verse in first Corinthians was about doing it without your head covered. Right. Right. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, yeah, because he talks about they, they prayed and they prophesied and all right, those right, things. Right. So, um, clear as mud? I mean, I have a clear <laughs> understanding. I don't know about anybody else. Um, but I'll just say it again. Context is everything. It is everything. It is everything. You, you uh, know, yeah. and you didn't touch on something I thought you kind of oh, would. Oh, great. Okay, what? Um, this was something the great Bob Moon told me. The great Bob Moon. He would be aggravated I said that. The great yeah. Dr. Bob Moon. Yep. Um, and it was a question I had about female pastors because, like I said earlier, I came from uh-huh. a denomination that doesn't do that. Yes. And he said, well, who do you think was the first one to share the mm. completion of the gospel? Yeah. Yeah. And that that's it. Yeah. Yeah. Jesus, when he rose from the dead, who did he appear he to first? He first appeared to. That's right. That's right. Um, and you th- and I think, um, looking back here through my notes here for a second. Um, uh, and I don't think that was by coincidence. Like, he could appear anywhere. In- to anybody at any time. I think it is important mm-hmm. that he appeared to women first. Mm-hmm. And, they, and they're the first people to actually preach the gospel. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, we have seen him. He is alive. He's yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's for sure. I'm looking up something as you, as you say that. Um, so, let's see. This is great radio. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Great TV for radio. <laughs> I can't find what I was gonna look at, but anyway. But yeah, I mean, he appeared to to them. Uh, to women before he even appeared to men. And that's a great, and I love the fact that a man pointed that out to you because as much as I wanted to talk about this topic, I almost was like, I wish we could get someone on who's a lot smarter than me, who's a dude, yeah, to affirm yeah, that. Yeah, because I, I, I can't. I kind of sound like, uh, well, no, 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 I didn't mean that you're not no, smart, no, but no, I'm just like, you know. I mean, I'm coming at, I've been under a female pastor for, exclusively for two years and uh, had two associate pastors for seven. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, 22 years of only male leadership. Yeah, yeah. Um, There might be a female music director, and they would not call him (gasps) music pastor. Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. So. For sure. um, It's just interesting. Yeah. And kind of. I've, this opened my eyes to a lot of stuff that I didn't know. Yeah. Honestly. Well, and, you know, even in reviewing and going through this stuff, because obviously I've read this before and I've studied this before, and, I mean, I've had this asked of me, but to really just kind of put it down in a way that I'm I'm sure I could have presented this even better than I did, but um, it, it's just the the historical evidence is overwhelming that women were in leadership and not just in leadership of other women, but they were in leadership within the church. Correct. And uh, Christ affirmed them. Even Paul, who wrote these two verses that have kind of, you know, thrown everybody into a tizzy, he even affirmed women. So it's just there. So when the question is asked, well, are, are, women aren't supposed to be leaders in the church, what I'd really love is for is to say, um, okay, here's here's where I understand based on, you know, so why do you understand differently? Well, is it because that's what you you're, the church was that you grew up in? Yeah. Was that because well, that's what Grandpa said? I mean, like, who... I never looked it know, up. Is that just because the way they've always done that? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I grew up in a church that it was a thing. I never questioned it. I never researched it. Mm-hmm. I just took it as face value gospel. Yeah. Well, we're going to go into a um, another conversation next week. Um, so can I give a little teaser for next week? Oh, go for what it. we're yeah, going to yeah. be doing. Um, so, and we're going to pre-record this because while, while it's, I'll be listening when this, when the, when episode 31 goes, um, live, you'll goes be. live, I will be on the beach it's, uh, and I'll be having a great time. <laughs> so it'll be wonderful. Um, but I will listen to it, but we're going to record this a little bit later. Um, but we're going to go into the question of, um, and, and like you talked about, like your upbringing and your background, yeah. is uh, the question comes up is, why are there so many different denominations? And what's and then another question I get a lot is like, what's the difference between a Methodist and a Baptist, especially in the South? Like, you know, those seem old, to be the two churches, the old, you know? The old joke about the liquor store. Of course. Yeah. yeah. But a Methodist will say hi in the liquor store, where a Baptist will act like you're not there. <laughs> I mean, that's... <laughs> 
Oh, man. Hey, how's it going? Good. Oh, my gosh. I can't talk to them right now. I don't know. I can't remember the last time I, I've I've entered a liquor store. I don't, I don't know. Because of my upbringing, oh, I don't think I've ever actually been in you one. You know, I can tell you the last time I went in one, and it's hilarious. Was it on a church trip? It No. It was July 14th, 2019. Does that date ring a bell to you? We launched on the 13th. No, we launched on the 14th. Did we? We did. Hang on. Are liquor stores open here on Sundays? Yeah. Okay. See, see, I that's how much I don't like. In Oklahoma, they're not open. Here's the deal. We were we launched the church, and my dad and his wife and my sister were here for the launch of the church. And as we left the church, there's this liquor store you go by. And uh, my dad wanted to stop and get something. So uh, he and I <laughs> went in the liquor store. I'm like, here I am launching a new church, and now I'm trotting in the liquor store with my dad. Oh, my gosh. It's so funny. All right. So, wow. That goes off on the tangent. Yep. Woo! So we'll be talking about um, so what cr- drinking. Like Should you drink? Um, that'll be the question is, should you drink or not drink? How much should you drink? Is it just okay to drink wine or is it? No, no, that's not where we're going. Thank you. Then we're not going to go there. Um, no, the question people ask is why are there different denominations? What's the difference between denominations? And even in some cases, like the difference between Methodist and Baptist. And, um, this is a really intriguing conversation because I have learned a lot, um, because we're going to really kind of get down to um, Armenianism and Calvinism. Dun, dun, dun. You've probably heard of Calvinism. Some of you may not have heard of Armenianism. Now that I can put into the conversation. That one you know what you're talking about. That one I know what I'm talking about. But I've got to tell you, I had a lot, just like you had assumptions, or just because that's the way it was, yeah. about women in leadership. I had a lot of assumptions about Calvinism and and Southern Baptist churches yeah, it, that I did not know. A lot of people just have the lazy stereotype that, that comes with Southern Baptist Calvin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you don't see the other side of yeah. it is what actually got me hooked on it. Or And and even just, and a lot of times people even throw Southern into the Southern Baptist, oh, and they might just be a Baptist. Um, and then you get into Reformed and all this stuff. Anyway, so I've learned a, a it's exciting. bunch. I'm excited. And so we're going to be talking about that next. That that next that, that, week, that, 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 if I can learn how to talk, but that is you know kind of that whole like what do we just assume and and why is it that you know how do we interpret so like today we talked about it's all about the context with you read with how you look at scripture mm-hmm. as we talk about next week Armenianism and Calvinism those are just they're two schools of thought on how you actually do your... It it's really comes down to your... Uh, here's another word, like your soteriology. Yes. Which is like, how do you understand salvation? Yes. And so Armenianism that, I mean, and Calvinism is kind of the two main ones. And you can look at most of the denominations in the United States and in the Western world. And they'll have and they some... Have, yeah. You'll see that in... Yeah. There's a family tree for sure. They won't call it Calvinism or Armenianism, yeah. but it's there. Yeah. 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 And it all starts with that, and I, I've never been able to say the word. Arminius? Sol, no. Oh. Solder. Who were? The study of salvation, or how you Oh, soteriology. Soteriology. Soterology. Yeah, yeah. There's an I I've in there. I've never been able to say it. Just say soterology. Soterology. Yeah, there you go. So, um, but, I mean, how you interpret, how you view soterology mm-hmm. determines whether whether you go down one of those two paths. Right, right. And it, it's really interesting. It I, is. I so, love that stuff. So we're going to be talking about that in episode 31. Um, so Porch Community, you know, keep giving us some questions um, it, as you think of them, as you have them. Uh, we will address them. We'll jump into it. I've, um, I've enjoyed doing this. It's almost like preparing for a whole other set of sermons. But it's like it's... This is its own series. Yeah, yeah. So, so, um, but I think I don't. I don't think we can. <laughs> I think that's a good place for us to stop today, Josh. Are yeah, I do too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, we got anything coming up? Um, maybe, possibly. Um, the biggest thing, you know, we've just come off of an incredible like vacation Bible school, middle school mission week, and then our our high school students, our stir ministry, and led by Justin and Allison and these great you know, young adult leaders, they got back from New Orleans on Friday. Um, and it's just, there's like this tiny little calm in the storm. I mean, like calm, like 12 hour calm in the storm. It's like we're in the uh, eye of the hurricane. Yeah. Hey, there you go. 
Um, but yeah, we are gearing up for our, you know, next to Christmas and Easter. This is our biggest weekend of the year. And in regards to logistics, it is our biggest weekend of the year coming up in August, August 6th through the 8th, um, is our Jesus is life weekend. And it is just phenomenal. It's for our students, sixth through 12th grade. It's amazing. Justin, we'll have Justin on episode, um, very soon to kind of share a little bit with us about that. Um, and but it's going to be phenomenal, and I don't know when. Probably very soon, the registration will go live. Um, pretty soon on that. Um, I'd be watching for it. This I'd be. Sunday. It'll probably be happening. Yeah. And listen, listeners of all ages, be praying for this weekend, Jesus's Life Weekend in August, because um, it, it it's exactly what we call it, Jesus's Life, and mm-hmm. it's an opportunity for students to hear that and to see that and to talk about that. Um, we have seen this through the years when, when we were downtown and, and as we've been here as our, as our own church, that students recognize that Jesus is life and they start to act on that belief Yep. and their families are affected. And, and we have families and people start uh, connecting to the church that they weren't connected anywhere, they weren't growing in their faith. And this is a huge, huge opportunity to to share the gospel of Jesus with people. And so, listener, take some time today, if you would, and pray for that weekend. Pray for Justin. Pray for our speaker, Kelly Barkle. Pray for all of our leaders that are going to be leading these conversations with students, because those are just um, priceless, those moments. Yeah. Be praying for our host homes for our fan, for the people that are going to be opening up their homes and and you know doing I mean there's so many moving parts and pieces and meals and all that be and, praying for this weekend cuz it is I pray for for kingdom impact in a huge way not just yes we want to have fun and yeah we want to celebrate but my goodness this is like a moment that has generational generational effects mm-hmm. because a 14 year old kid could say yes to Jesus on this weekend and his life is changed and who he marries and how he raises his children and then those children like this is a generational moment and mm-hmm. it's huge so pray 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 what were we gonna say and then also pray for how you can have some involvement in this weekend because you're gonna want to be involved oh my goodness yes uh, we, yeah we talked about uh, VBS being not just for the kids mm-hmm. dude Jesus's life is the exact same. Uh, way. Yeah, yeah. And just to uh, be able to be here, like if you, if you, when the call comes out in some way, shape, or form, I don't know, email from the stage, from me, from video announcements, from Justin. However, we do all the things, you know, community news. The call is going to go out for some way for some kind of help. If you can do it, help. I mean, from helping with. Uh, Traffic, you know, like uh, traffic directing, mm-hmm. you know, for pickup on Friday and Saturday night to Being a host home. Yeah, helping come and serve food, helping with check in on the first night because it's pretty crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you can do it, w- make it so because it's a phenomenal thing. It's a phenomenal thing. And hey, can I address something real quick? Yes. I mean, you're like, I don't know what are you going to say. Um, I've had people ask this recently because we have made a more concerted effort to talk about giving. Yes. And um, so people are like, what's going on? Or what, what, what's happening? Why are you doing this? Well, I would say first and foremost is we probably were kind of lax on not really um, promoting it. talking about giving yeah. as much as we should. And then, of course, COVID and all that. And um, we just want to make sure that we we want to keep doing these kinds of things. We want to mm-hmm. keep making even stuff like the podcast. Like, you know, we, it takes the technology and the ability to do what we do and the mics and the stuff. And, like... Giving is an opportunity to do work that sometimes we don't ever like. I didn't go to New Orleans. I didn't. I didn't go to New Orleans last week. No, all but my goodness, I I'm so glad that Drew and I have made a decision to give, um, to give of of our of our income to to help support that. Like, and we make sure that happens, and and we do that. Like, sometimes it's I have to remind myself. Um, is you know I set up I set up automated giving through my bank so it's like yeah. a bill pay I have set it up it's like the Porch Community Church and it goes out at the beginning of the month don't even have to think about it and right and so I I set up here's what I've done I put a reminder in my phone to say Shannon it, it, I think it says um, gave to church is what my reminder says and I set it like for the fifth day of the month mm-hmm. so that I'll stop and pray oh that's cool so I want to remember 
that because I don't want to just forget about it and be like, right. oh, well, I'm just paying the bill, like you know, like I owe a bill to the church. No, no, I'm, I'm, I want to stop and be remember that I'm giving to to do things like vacation Bible school and the and the students and you know all the all the things that the the Jesus's life weekend and I'm super stoked. I know this is I need to probably be quiet, but like I'm super excited about um, us launching our community groups again in August. Um, we've got a great fall series in store. I'm not going to tell you anything else about it now. Um, she wants to real I bad. I so want to, but uh, there's just all these things going on. And so what I'm addressing is people said, why are you talking about giving so much? Well, we didn't talk about it enough. And I just want to make sure that that's something that people know. This is this is part of what you said you would do if you're a partner in ministry with us, or you even call us your church. Like, we need your support because we yeah. want to be able to keep doing these things. And it is a way for us to partner with God and what He's up to. And so mm-hmm. that's why we've been talking about giving more lately and why we will continue to make sure that we share with you these great opportunities to, to support and to just be to be reminded of here's the fruit of what you've done. Like we want to celebrate these moments. But hey, thank you for giving because this was possible. Yes, you know, those kinds of things. So yeah, I wanted to address that. Yep. Um, so I think we're good. Uh, yeah, I think. Uh, yeah. So if you yeah. have any questions about anything Shannon really talked about today, I just asked <laughs> some questions. Um, be sure to send us questions at Shannon at theporchcc.com or Josh at theporchcc.com. Mm-hmm. And uh, we'll address them in a later podcast if you get them in. Mm-hmm. Uh, because we're recording early, it w- wouldn't be until like episode A couple 30. weeks, probably. A couple yeah. weeks. But if there's something that we didn't, that it raised a question or you, we weren't 100% clear about for you, let us know. We, we want to make sure that uh, you have a full understanding of our scope <laughs> of this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, hey, Porch Community, we love you. Thanks for listening in. And uh, be sure and share and and like and subscribe and all the things that the people tell you to do when you listen to these kinds of things. Yeah. Um, especially, I know this is a topic that comes up. If you tell somebody that you go to a Methodist church or it has come up that you got a lady pastor, this has probably come up. You can share this with them. They might not want to hear the lady pastor explain it, but... Here it is. So we love you, Porch Community. We will see you and talk to you and whatever else. The next episode. See you. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time for more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.